into John's Gospel. John, and so turn in your Bible, please, with me to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. full is full. How big is big? One Hebrew word I will possibly utter later on is the Hebrew word for glory, and it's kavod, and it really means heavy. Uh, heavy, big, massive. How full is full? I want to read the text for today is 14 through 18 of John 1. And it comes in the whole big flow of thought uh, in the prologue of John. And so I would like to read the prologue again. Here's John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. <clears throat> All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. And from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. Let us pray. Father, we see in this text that when we are born of you, 
we can understand the truth and we are given the right to become your children. We are given the ability to understand the glory in which we are immersed, in which we live and move and have our being. We're given the joy of, of knowing Christ and believing in his name. Father, for that we thank you, O oh Lord. We depend on you. Lord, would you please in your kindness and grace teach all of us today speak to us Lord I freely acknowledge that as children are a gift from you everything flows through you from you and even those who build a house labor in vain unless you build it and that goes for any decent teaching as well unless you teach it unless you preach it unless you build it it's not working at all. So Lord, I humbly say, please give me the words to say. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to us today. And Lord, thank you for this glorious opportunity. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. So I want to look at this text today, how full is full. And Let me read, zero in on, on this text to zero our hearts and minds into what we're looking at today. The Word became flesh. Now, he's been talking about the Word early on in the text. Uh, remember, that's the, the uh, information. It's, it's not just a, a single noun or a single verb, but it's the, it's the Word, the logos, the logic, the, the basic principles this word who created everything. Think of it this way. Information didn't develop in, in uh, creation. It was always there at the beginning. It doesn't evolve. Uh, information doesn't get more complicated. Jesus started it all as the infinite mind. It gets back to the simple idea of why is two plus two, why does it equal four? It is, it is the creator who has put truth into his own creation. And, and this God, this word, became flesh and dwelt among us. What is this talking about? It's talking about what we call the incarnation. And so I want to talk about this first. God in the flesh, he lived with us. It's clearly talking about Jesus being born as an infant. Uh, we often celebrate that at Christmas time. We don't know exactly when he was born, but actually there's a lot of, a lot of information that leads you to believe that he probably was born uh, around December. We don't know. Uh, but the fact is he was born as a baby, an infant. The Word became flesh. He became a human being, this eternal Word who was with God, who was God, becomes flesh for us. He lived with us. And there's something marvelous about this because the original readers uh, lived in a, you know, a different cultural context than we did. And they, they lived highly informed in the Hebrew and the Greek scriptures uh, to a great extent. The early church was largely Jewish, had a huge Jewish Im impact. The, the earliest church was all Jewish, you know. 
Um, and so they would catch this right away. They would catch what he's saying here because it's a reference back to the tabernacle. The, um, in fact, the word for uh, he dwelt here means he set up his tent among us. And the tabernacle was when the children of Israel left Egypt. Uh, God brought them out in the great glorious exodus. It's a, it's a huge salvation for them, and it becomes a symbol of our salvation forever. When they came out, God went with them, and he dwelt with them. And there were actually uh, two instances of this. There was Early on, there was a thing called the tent of meeting, where Moses had this special tent where he would literally kind of go and meet with God, and God would be there. And then Moses, in obedience to God, built the earliest sort of, it became the temple later on, but it was the, the we call it the tabernacle, the tent. And this brings them to that state of mind that, oh, this is God with us. We might say Emmanuel. Just like the children of Israel in the wanderings in the wilderness had the tabernacle with them, Jesus came and dwelt with them in that tent. And, and his glory was obvious. Now here's where it gets wonderful too. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Jews wandering around in the wilderness had this experience in, in the tent, the glory, the kavod, and it's even the Shekinah glory. You may have heard that word. There's a linguistic link here to this verse, to that Hebrew word Shekinah, which is the presence of God, the glory of God, was in that tent. And he says, we have seen this glory, the, the glory as the only one from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let me read a little bit uh, about glory. Glory is used in the Bible uh, to describe the sun. You know, if you live in Monterey, you start to like the sun. You know, you see it so rarely. <laughs> and if you, you go outside on a, on a beautiful day, you know, the dead of winter in January, and it's uh, 69 degrees, <laughs> and there's a sunshine, and you feel it on your flesh. It feels so wonderful. And you think about that huge, destructive, scary nuclear reaction in the sky that's just spaced perfectly away from us, you know. It's a wonderful thing, but it's scary, but it's perfect. And this is the glory of the sun. It's too bright. You can't even see it. Um, that's the light of the sun and the moon. We, uh, we sang a song here, a nice old Christian hymn that said something about how, how awesome the sun is and even the moon. The moon is fairer. Uh, and isn't it glorious when you see the beautiful moon? It's romantic. It's lovely. It lights, lights uh, everything gently. It's kind of a blue light. The moon and the stars themselves. And then when, when, um, when the, I love it when there's no moon, too. We like to go out in our hot tub and just look up at the sky and just look at those stars. It's glorious. 
It's amazing. It's mind-boggling. Uh, this is glory. It's used of the heavenly brightness by which God was conceived of as surrounded. God is he's hidden by light. He's surrounded by light. This is the word glory. The heavenly beings are surrounded when they appeared on earth in light. The face of Moses, when he was with God, would shine afterward by the glory of who God is. And Christ, later on in, in his life on this earth, he experienced what we call the transfiguration. probably heard of that. He went up on a hill with Peter, James, and John, and all of a sudden, he started to shine brightly like they'd never seen before. He began to look like the sun. <laughs> he had the blinding light of the glory of the sun in the transfiguration. In the Septuagint, the Greek would be doxa tu kurio. Kurio is Lord. Doxa is the Gloria. By the way, we, he heard gloriously on the violin, the doxology, you know, glory to God, praise God, from whom all blessings flow. Um, and that's this word doxa, doxa tu curio is the glory of the Lord. And in the Septuagint, that's used the equivalent of, from the Hebrew Bible of the kabod Yahweh. Get the significance of that is, Jesus is God. When they saw his glory, they saw what he did, they saw what he was capable of. For example, he went to a funeral. He went to a couple of them. <laughs> and, you know, he was grieving. I shouldn't giggle, because, but I know the end. You know, he would literally raise the dead person. There's this one funeral thing. They're taking the boy out to be buried, and he comes by, stops the procession, tells the mom, don't grieve. It's going to be okay. He, he raises the kid from the dead. He sits up. Imagine having that at a funeral. <laughs> pretty disruptive. Pretty powerful. Pretty amazing. Jesus actually did this. It's the glory of God shining through him. Doxa tukurio is the equivalent of kabod Yahweh. The Shekinah, the glory of the Lord we, he lived among us. We saw his amazing glory, the glory as of the only Son of the Father. Uh, it was also called in Exodus, in, again in the Septuagint, the glory. Simply, the glory was the bright cloud by which God made manifest to men his presence and power on the earth. This is the life of Jesus. He came to manifest the presence and power of God on the earth. Uh, glory also means magnificence, excellence, preeminence, dignity, grace, majesty, that which belongs to God. There's something exclusive about this. You don't give glory to anybody else. There's a few weird occasions in the Bible where somebody sees an angel, falls down to start to worship him because he's so amazing. And the angel says, no, 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 don't worship me. I'm created just like you. 
You only worship God. You only worship God. Jesus Christ had all the dignity, all the grace, all the majesty of God. The kingly majesty which belongs to him as supreme ruler. Those are all definitions from uh, the Greek lexicon. Here's Matthew 24, 30. And this is talking about the end times. Just a glimpse at the end times. It says, Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. What do we know of the sign of the Son of Man uh, so far? Well, he was born as a baby. His uh, mother was shamed because she was pregnant uh, before she was married. And he was born of a virgin, Mary. He was born in very desperate circumstances down in Bethlehem. He had to run off to Egypt to save his life. He did some amazing miracles in Palestine, but the majority of people hated him, and they called out for his death, and they crucified him. And that's what we know of him. He's humble. He's uh, weak. He's deniable. He's... uh, we have the freedom to say, well, this just doesn't make sense. It's, it's illogical. Even John, this great witness, uh, we'll look at this uh, perhaps some other time, but, but it's recorded in the Bible. John, was, he was literally in jail at the time. He sends emissaries to Jesus saying, uh, excuse me, uh, are you the guy? <laughs> are are you the one we're waiting for? Because we were kind of thinking of something different here. We are sort of thinking of getting rid of the oppressors, <laughs> this Roman horde of evil oppressors. It's, what's going on? And Jesus says, listen, look at what I've done. I have healed the sick. I have given sight to the blind. I've given hearing to the deaf. I've raised the dead. I've preached the good news to the poor. These are all signs of the Messiah. So that's what we know now, but in the future it says this, then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. There'll be this horrendous moment when every tribe of the earth will be brought to huge regret if they rejected Jesus, if they looked at the evidence and said, no, that's not compelling enough. I want all my answers right now, easily explainable right now. I don't want any faith. I don't want to walk by faith. I want to walk by sight right now. If that was their position, they're going to be horrified. They're going to find this. It was all true. It was all true. They will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory with power and great glory. So Jesus came and he made the glory of God obvious. God in the flesh. And he has the very glory of God himself. And look at this. I love this. This is my title. How full is full? How full is full? He's full of grace and truth. We're going to open that up in a little bit, but just marvel at the glory of this. Who is God? What is the glory of God? Is is he filled with 
you know, anger, uh, retribution, and uh, falsehood. No, he's filled, with, he's filled with grace and truth. Jesus came to be the Redeemer. I will sing of my Redeemer you know, and his precious love for me. You know, he came from heaven to earth. He became flesh for me. He is full of grace and truth. I've got a couple little quotes here. Uh, this I'm quoting from uh, A.W. Pink today, just a great uh, commentator, reading lots of good commentaries. One good one, D.A. Carson, is a very thorough job on John. But here's from older, older A.W. Pink. I have a couple quotes from him, but here's one. It says, In his marvelous stoop, we behold his glory. Greatness is never so glorious as when it takes the place of lowliness. Power is never so attractive as when it is placed at the disposal of others. Might is never so triumphant as when it sets aside its own prerogatives. Sovereignty is never so winsome as when it is seen in the place of service. And may we not say it reverently, Deity had never appeared so glorious as when it hung upon a maiden's breast. Yes, we behold his glory, the glory of an infinite condescension, the glory of a matchless grace, the glory of a fathomless love. That's what we see in Jesus. He's full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him. In, in our text, it has this in parenthesis. You almost, you know, a lot of commentators, really, we say, well, I wish that wasn't there. <laughs> it's kind of an interruption here. <laughs> kind of interrupts the, thought, the flow of thought. Why, why did John, not the same John named here, why did he put that in there? Because you go from full of grace and truth, and verse 16, and from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Why did he put that there? Well, it's, it's just like up in verse 6, which I talked about last week. We have Jesus described in all his greatness and his wonder, and then blurting out onto the scene, there was a, a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light. And then in verse 15, the same thing. John bore witness about him. John bore witness about him. Hey, wait a minute. He, he's the exact, exact glory of God. He's God himself in the flesh. He's raising the dead. He's healing the sick. He's preaching to the poor. He's going to die for our sins. Why do we need this human witness in the middle of it? And actually, dear friends, this is the whole marvel of God's methodology. Uh, the Bible says that we, we preach the good news. We proclaim Christ. We are used by him to bring the message. Jesus could have done it in any way he wanted to. 
like I said last week, you should have waited for Pixar. Yeah, they would have done a really good job. They can make, you know, make, make one and zero look like a, an amazing cartoon. They can make those two on and off look like something out of this world, can't they? Yes, they can. Through computer, the wonders of computers. But he, he didn't. He, he, he's using us. And it's a part of the humility of Jesus. It's a part of the walking by faith and not by sight. It, it's, it's actually a part of the ennobling of us. We're, we're, we're ennobled to be commissioned to be his witnesses. You are my witnesses. And John comes to bear witness about him. And he cries out. He, he says a, a wonderful little... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? A little uh, ditty, a little, uh, what's it? Blurb. A blurb? Yeah, <laughs> okay. It's a play on words. What's the word I'm looking for? It's a riddle. It's a riddle. There we go. I always prepare these well in advance, you know. <laughs> um, a riddle. That's what he says. This is what John bore witness about. He cried out. I, just, I love that because uh, John was a howling outdoor preacher. He had to howl over the desert winds. And his voice would carry out there in a strange environment. But it's still the truth. It may sound weird. It may seem culturally irrelevant. But that doesn't mean it's not the truth. If this is the truth. What did he cry out? He says, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me. See, Jesus was born six months after John. He who comes after me ranks before me. Why? Because he was before me. <laughs> John's saying, in this little riddle, how do you work that out? Only one way. Jesus pre-exists in eternity. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So he's bear, bearing witness about the eternality of Jesus. You don't lightly turn your back on this one. You, you can shrug and say, I don't need Jesus, but you're turning your back on the one who is sent to be the Savior. Okay, John bore witness about him. God, our supply. So first I say God in the flesh, the incarnation. God, our supply. And this is so, so beautiful here. Uh, you know, Lord, please give us this. Oh, Lord, I pray. It says, look, and, uh, and from his fullness. How full is full? Who is this infinite one? He's infinitely full. He's infinitely great. This is the stream we're drawing from. This is the supply for us of his fullness. We have all received grace upon grace. He's probably thinking about those who are born of God that he mentions there in verse, uh, verse 13. Those who are born of God are, are the all that receive everything from Jesus Christ, from his fullness, from who he is. There's a couple of great passages I want to turn to quickly on this. First turn to Colossians 1. 
Colossians 1. Colossians 1, 19. Um, let's read a little bit. We read this once in a while. It, it's a, it's a, almost an early confession of faith about the nature of Jesus. Verse 15 says, He is the image of the invisible God. Hold on to that, because later in the text it says, No one has ever seen God. God is invisible. But Jesus is his image. And it's not talking about physical image. God's not like a big human being. He's invisible. He's talking about his, his righteousness, his power, his glory. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. I mean, he's the preeminent one over all creation. For by him all things were created. It doesn't say all other things. All things. He, he himself is not created. He created all things. All things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. That sounds just like what John said. He outranks me because he was before me. He is before all things. Here's Paul the Apostle writing this. What is this about? Four decades after John uttered this great theology in this little riddle that we just read. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. You've heard me pound the pulpit over that one a few times, because this pulpit is held together by Jesus Christ. All things are literally held together by him. He's not the great watchmaker who made this great system, wound it up, and, and took off on a vacation. And it operates on its own, its own natural law, tick-tock, tick-tock. No, the Bible teaches uh, that he's intimately involved. He is the energy of, of it all. It all holds together through him. He's not separate. All things are derived and dependent upon him. The Bible teaches this all over the place. Ephesians 1.11, who, who works all things after the counsel of his own will. How about this? For of him and through him and to him are all things. You, know, you, you can't escape God. It's, it's a big demonic delusion, right? We think we're alone in our room. By the way, you have no privacy. You, you have a false sense of privacy. There's no such thing as privacy. The angels see everything you do, and God sees everything you do. <laughs> You think Google's bad. <laughs> you think the uh, NSA <laughs> is, is, yeah, the NSA is getting metadata on my phone calls. God gets every data on our phone calls. He hears every word. He knows our thoughts. How big is he? Well, how full is full? He gives the wide ocean, the Pacific Ocean, the largest ocean in the world. And, and it's nothing to him. He made it with his hands. He went out and said, I think I'll make an ocean. I think I'll, I'll put it in my miter box and cut it up and put it out there. Glue it together with something. Yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> I make some, look, I'm, I made this. I, I, I repaired Jorgen's suitcase yesterday. 
Yes, I did. <laughs> I took a piece of oak, old oak, we bought years ago and never used. Cut it just right, screwed it, drilled it, put it together. I did it. <laughs> well, God made the ocean, for heaven's sakes. He made the whole universe. He made the billions of galaxies just for fun, just as a backdrop. That's his staging, for heaven's sakes. <laughs> That's his glory. He made it all, and all things hold together. How full is Jesus? How massive is our Lord? How great is the condescension for him to become a man, to become a part of his creation, to die for your sins, to die for my sins. Kabod, heavy, glory. He, sorry, he is before all things, and in him, this is Colossians 1:17, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead and in, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him, I love this verse, in verse 19, in him all the fullness, and the word of God is not even there in the original. It's just all the fullness was pleased to dwell. It, just, it, it liked living in him. And this word uh, to dwell is kataoikos, which means thoroughly dwell. It's like, you know, a, a visitor that comes to your house and they have like, 15 suitcases. <laughs> like, what, what, what? You're planning to stay a while. <laughs> They're ensconced. They've moved in. They're there. They're thoroughly there. And the, the fullness is pleased. It's very happy. Totally at home. In Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's fully God. Fully man. In him all the fullness was pleased to dwell. And through him, through him to reconcile all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. That's what it means to receive from the fullness of this one. All the fullness. He supplies our need. God, our supply and look, look at the next phrase. It says, grace upon grace. You need grace every morning. His mercy is new every morning. If, you, if, if one grace got stale, if the manna lasts for one day, he gives you more manna the next day. If one grace gets stale, he replaces it with another. He has an abundant supply. This is what we need. We need grace upon grace. Grace in the place of grace. Constantly provided for us. Not a new way to live, but life. Get this. The, the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't come to show us a new way to live. He came to give us life. The, the law is like a way to live. The reality is, we failed. We can't live the law. We can't save ourselves. It all has to come from him, him alone. That's why it says, these people who received him, they were born of God. 
They, they, they were regenerated by God, and they're the ones who received him. Because he has to give you life before you can respond to him, before you can even want to obey him. You depend, we depend, I depend on him. He didn't come to give us a new way of life. He came to give us life altogether. Let's, look at, let's think about this law and grace here really quickly. Uh, it's, it's quite profound because the law was given by Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Uh, again, from A.W. Pink, he, he has this nice little run of contrasts between Jesus and the law. He says, now let us notice a few contrasts between law and grace. Law addresses men as members of the old creation. Grace makes men members of a new creation. Law manifested what was in man, sin. Grace manifests what is in God of his fullness we have all received. What is in God? Love. Law demanded righteousness from men. Grace brings righteousness to men. That's the deal. You don't gin yourself up, clean yourself up, and make yourself look good, and then, okay, God might have mercy on you. That, that, that is a chase in your own tail. Utterly frustrating. It's the darkness of every world religion that is not about Jesus Christ. It's the darkness of Mormonism. It's the darkness of the Islamic faith. It's, it's sad. It's tragic. You, you're coming to dead human beings and say, Live. And you need a means of life. You need a resurrection. You need Jesus Christ. The law demanded righteousness from men. Grace brings righteousness to men. Law sentences a living man to death. Grace brings a dead man to life. Law speaks of what men must do for God. Grace tells of what Christ has done for them. Law gives a knowledge of sin. Grace puts away sin. Law brought God out to men. Grace brings men in to God. Jesus, it's, it's a whole new thing. He's bringing us life. He's not asking us to walk some special way. After we become his followers, we desire and want to follow him. But that's not the means of salvation that is not the means of our relationship with God. So I had here the final thing. God, our knowledge. I have God in the flesh. God, our supply. And God, our knowledge. He's full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him. And of his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And then finally, here's the final point. God, our knowledge. No one has ever seen God. He's invisible. Uh, he doesn't have a body. He wasn't a human being that figured it out and became a God. No, he exists forever. He created everything else. He, and he's a spirit. He's without time and without space. He's above it all. He created both of those categories. There's, they submit to him. No one has ever seen God. But 
And, and this is a little uh, awkward, and it, the uh, church has struggled with how to translate this, and it's one of those places where uh, some of the text varied uh, because it's a little awkward, but this is the best uh, translation. I like the English Standard Version, and they've done a tremendous amount of study, and this is the best way this is translated. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. See, that's that paradox we had right from the beginning of this passage. Uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Okay, so there's God and the Word. Uh-huh. And the Word was God. Okay. But you said he was with him. Yeah, he's with him, and he is God. This, we call this the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And again, a common argument of the Unitarian folk. Well, that's complicated. I can't understand it. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> God is utterly different. <laughs> You know, I repaired a suitcase. He made a world, you know. <laughs> it's a little different here. We're talking uh, uh, categorical, uh, cosmological, ontological is the best word. Ontological difference. We live, we, we, be, our being is on a different plane. He, he's the one who can say, I am. I can say, I am because of you. He says, I am because of no one. He, he just is. The great I am. So that's what 18 says. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side has made him known. This is kind of exciting for Bible students because the word here is uh, uh, to make him known is exegesis. And when you go to seminary, you take, I took exegesis of Romans, exegesis of Ephesians, exegesis of John as the name of the course. <laughs> exegesis means to really to, to to bring out, ex, exit, uh, and ago, to, to bring out. The, the negative is eisegesis. That's when you bring into the text. As well, I have some good ideas. I think I'll try to fit them into here. <laughs> no, what I try to practice, uh, probably imperfectly, I'm sure. I know imperfectly, but my whole life is to try to say, what is this saying? You know, there's enough here. You know, God forbid we should try to bring something else in there. Hallelujah, there's enough there. There's enough there. How full is full. Jesus brought God to us. The eternal, infinite, loving, gracious God to us. The only God who's at the Father's side has made him known. He is our knowledge of God. He is theology. He is the one who made him known. The only God of the Father's side has made him known. This is what I'm saying. How full is full? Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. He's God our supply. He's God our knowledge. What will you do with Jesus? What will you do with Jesus Christ? Will you act like he's not and go your way without him? Or will you fall at his feet and worship him today? Worship him today. Receive him today. No longer struggle. No longer rebel. You're, you're kicking against the goats. You're kicking against the eternal realities, the truth of all that is. He is he's it. Repent. Turn to him. Worship him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus who died for our sins. 
Thank you for Jesus who became one of us for eternity, a human being. The Bible says that he was taken off into heaven and we'll see him again. Oh, Lord, in your grace and your kindness, prepare us for that day. Through your Holy Spirit, Lord, convict us of sin. Convict us of sin. Help us to turn away from what keeps us away from you and love you with all of our hearts, our souls, our minds, our strength. Lord, we pray, regenerate us today. In the name of Jesus, we always pray. Amen.